Good morning. Welcome here. Thank you for, for being here this morning. Uh, this is a lot different than my preaching class that I had at seminary. Uh, we had about six people in that class, so give or take, there's a, there's a few more people in here. But it is a privilege to be up here this morning and to, uh, to share the Word of God and just have the opportunity to have this experience and to um, yeah, just dive into what, what God has for us this morning. Um, I know Kevin just prayed, but like he said, there's a lot of nerves. So I would also like to pray again um, and just pray for this morning. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the ability to just to come to church, um, to soak in your presence, just to um, desire to be changed and transformed and just to join in community together. Um, I pray that your presence would be real to us this morning that we'd be sensitive to it and the way that you're prompting us and desiring for us to change and to be more transformed into your son's identity. May that be something that we desire and long for. Um, so may you speak to us today. May you be here and would you be moving and picking up the things in our lives that need to change and be amended. May it not be my words, may it be your words that, that come out this morning and that set root into our hearts. So I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Um, so earlier this summer, my, my sister, she came uh, for a visit. She lives in the States, and she lives down in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, so her and, her and my niece came up. My brother-in-law couldn't make it, but uh, they came up for a visit and, um, at my parents' house. So I, I, I'm at school out in Alberta during the school year, and I, and I come home for the summer and work and and live with my roommates, who are, who are my parents. They brought me into the world. And, um, but yeah, it's just a good, a good opportunity to spend time with my sister and my niece and, and really enjoy that family time and just being able to, to hang out with her. And um, As part of that, she, she helped me clean my room. Um, so having lived at home for such a long time, you, you just accumulate a lot of stuff. You have a lot of things that, um, yeah, you just, a lot of stuff just seems to pile up. And so she, yeah, she helped me clean my room. But it was, it was more than just a cleaning. It was more like a straight-up purge. She's like, Adam, this has got to go. Like, why do you still have this? Like, why are you holding on to this? Why do you have all your old engineering assignments? Why do you have these clothes that you don't wear anymore? Why, do you, why are you holding on to these things? And I, was, I was like, well, I can't, I can't let go of these things. Like, some of these things were making me very nostalgic. All these memories start to flood back in. And I'm like, wow, like... These, these are some great things that I had, and, and, and I don't want to let go of these things. Um, so, I, so I thought I'd take the liberty this morning to, to maybe bring out a few of those items that, that I found in my room and do a little show and tell this morning. So to just bear with me here. There will be a point of all of this. Don't worry. Um, so item number one is my Game Boy Color. There were many hours logged on this bad boy. Um, some may say I caught them all, if you're a Pokemon fan, uh, definitely did. We'll fire it up and you can... Mm, batteries are dead, that's sweet. That was unexpected. <laughs> Anyways, when you fired up the Game Boy, um, there would be this like iconic ping sound that kind of... Wow, this is not ideal. That sound, I don't know if you could hear it or not, but kind of logged, logged a lot of hours on this thing. Um, I think they're coming back in, so may I bring that back to seminary for, for class breaks and stuff. Um, my next item, this is my, my childhood blanket that I affectionately refer to as, as Blanky. Um, and so this, this, is my, this, is my, this is pretty vulnerable up here doing this, but 
Uh, don't worry, it, it gets better. So this little guy I had, and my parents tried to, took it away essentially at one point. They weaned me off of it. Um, and my sisters, they, they found it one time. And they're like, Adam, we, we found Blanky for you. Like, and, and they brought it back to me. And like, there was jubilee across the nation. I'd, I'd received, I'd received blank, my blanket back. Um, sad thing is, they really should have never done that because I used it for far too long. Um, I don't use it anymore, but we'll just say it was like 10th grade. So uh, way, way too long. Way too long. Like, I used it to kind of like, I don't know, anyways. It's like a head prop. Um, and the final item is, is this little number. Um, this, is, this is a Speedo. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, man, Adam, I didn't know you were a swimmer. I didn't know that you swam. You're right. I didn't swim. I played basketball. So you're like, well, why do you have this? Well, um, grade 11, I, I made it on the senior team, and so I was considered a rookie. And so we had our first tournament to Moose Jaw sometime around December, I think. And as being a rookie, we had the privilege to uh, complete certain tasks and things like that. So uh, my one teammate, Mark, he had to sing a Christmas carol to the front desk wearing this guy. Uh, shortly followed, I had to don the same Speedo. Not ideal, but um, my task was a little bit more difficult in my opinion. Um, apparently there was a young lady in the hot tub at the time that my team thought that I needed to go acquire her number. So I had to put this on, go down to the pool hot tub. All my teammates are just like hyping me up, getting, getting all amped. And I'm just so nervous, probably more nervous than I am right now. And so I get into the hot tub wearing this thing, and she's like just sitting there. And I, I'm, I was super nervous. I, I didn't even ask her her name. I was like, can I just get your number? Like, just can I... Can I, can I get your number? I didn't, I, what was I thinking? Didn't even, no game, no, nothing. Um, and she's like, well, I don't have a pen. I'm in a hot tub. I was like, oh, man. Oh, boy. Thankfully, someone had a, had a, had a Sharpie, and she was able to write it on my arm. And my team, my team got really excited for me, and um, that's that. But I don't wear it anymore either, so just, just so you're aware. But just this idea of nostalgia was funny to me because we have these things that we don't want to let go of. We think about what was. And we talk about the good old days and the things that were. And we ruminate on these things. We reminisce about these times and um, maybe even like certain smells that you grew up with or certain holidays that you're really fond of. And and we can't let go of those things. Clearly, I still have my childhood blanket. I have this Speedo. Um, this Game Boy, I had all these old assignments from engineering and all these old tests and things that I couldn't let go of. And I wonder how much more is that even true for the sin in our lives sometimes? How much do we hold on to that and and think about um, just the vices that we have, the sin that is in our life, that we we don't want to admit this, but we're going to hold on to it. We'd rather rather not part ways with it. We, We say we're a Christian, but we just want to hold on to our sinful ways. We become nostalgic about our sin. And so the question is, how, how are we to live then? We, we have this, we, we know that we're believers in Christ and, and the gospel, but we also feel this, this tension of, of, of the sin that, that tugs at our hearts, the things that we're tempted by. 
So, so how, how are we to live? How are we, what are we supposed to do with this, this tension that we feel? And, and that's why everyone's here today, right? That's why people show up. Is like, how, how are we supposed to live as Christians? What are we supposed to do? What are, what are instructions for Christian living? So if you guys want to turn with me to Ephesians 4, um, chap, uh, Ephesians 4, verse 17, that's where we're going to begin today, and, and Paul's letter to the Ephesians in the church of Ephesus. So, so starting in, in verse 17, he says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. And so what Paul's getting at is he's saying that um, if we continue to live in this way, if we continue to give into our our vices and, and our sin, um, we become hardened to God. We become calloused to, to God. Um, and he, he, said, yeah, he uses the word losing all sensitivity. In some translations it says calloused. Um, for myself, I, people would say that I have office hands. I'm a student. I, I type. I, I work in the admissions office. As to say, like, I, have, I have soft hands. I don't do hard labor. Um, and so earlier this summer, I, I tried out rock climbing with a few people. It's been a popular thing for, people, for young adults in the church. And so the first time that I went, I started to get blisters. Um, you don't have that sensitivity. Like your, your hands aren't ready to, to grab onto those rocks. And, um, but with repeated exposure to that, you start to toughen up. You start to, to gain uh, yeah, just calluses. And so that's what Paul is saying. If you continually decide to uh, be obstinate to God, if you continue to, to ignore him and what he's calling you to, you're going to become callous to God. You're going to become hardened to God. And that's not what he wants. And he, and he says this. He says, so I tell you, and it's just not that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. And so you're like, okay, what is a Gentile? A Gentile is um, someone that is non-Jewish. It is, it is a way to describe someone that is non-Jewish. So you have, in in that time, you had the Jews and the Gentiles. So the Gentile is someone that is ethnically a non-Jewish person. So the um, majority of us today would be, would be considered Gentiles. And so he, he's writing to the Gentiles, and he says, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Which is, which is weird, because it's like telling you not to be who you are. Or live like you once did. And, that, and that's exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying, um, your identity needs to change. You need to be fundamentally different. You, you were living like a Gentile, you were living in these ways, but you need to be fundamentally different now. The way that you act, the way that you think, the way that you behave, it all needs to be different. And so he continues into verse 20. He says, You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so basically he, he's giving this, this illustration of like taking off your old self. As, as easy as like taking off your clothes. 
and, and putting on your new self and this new identity. Um, so I, I guess the question that I want you guys to think about for a little bit is what, what is keeping you from that new identity? What are those things that are maybe are, are, are strongholds in your life that, that, are, that are making you callous to God to, um, and just this idea that you are um, yeah, living, living in your old self and you're, you're not taking off your, your clothes and, and being transformed? Because it, I don't know, that seems that seems so basic to say that just like take off take off your it's as easy as taking off your shirt and putting on a new shirt and, and just getting rid of rid of that and taking out the garbage. I don't know, it, why is it so difficult then? Why is that so why is that so hard to do? Why why do we struggle to do that? We're told this is what we're supposed to do, but why why do we struggle to do this? Why why is it so difficult? And so, so Paul kind of goes into some, some more specifics that we're supposed to take into account. Some things that we're supposed to consider and more practical sides of things. And so he says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. And so this idea, uh, uh, he gives commands of what we're supposed to do. He says, don't, don't do this. And then as a result, do this, and this is why I want you to do this. And so with, with that, he says, don't speak falsely to anyone else because like, we're all members of one body. So I, I want you guys to look at the people that are next to you. I want you to actually like, look into their eyes and, and think, do you actually view them as, as one body? Because we, we are in a church building, but this is, this is the church. We, we are the body of Christ. And so do we view each other actually as, as one member, as one body? Because Jesus tells us we're supposed to love one another, and but do we actually do we actually bear the burden of another person, or are we actually gonna are we gonna tell them lies, or are we gonna maybe speak falsely about them? Um, we say that we don't do that, but I think often we do do that. And he, and he's saying, speak truthfully, because we're members of one body. That'd be like me breaking my foot and my foot trying to tell me that it's fine, and then I run and it, and it gets worse and worse, and it becomes an issue. But I want you guys to think about the fact that we are the body of Christ. We are believers, a corporate gathering of, uh, of believers in Christ. Let's live like it. Let's actually do that. Let's bear each other's burdens. Let's care for each other. Let's not speak falsehoods about each other. And then he continues. He says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Uh, this, is, this is something that my parents taught me at a young age. I, I thought they were just saying that just for the sake of it, but it's, it's biblical. My, my mom said, Adam, don't go to bed being mad at your sisters. I was like, well, I can be mad if I want to, be angry. Um, no, but, but the key is that if you, if you, if you go to bed angry, if you, don't, if you don't solve things, you allow bitterness and resentment to creep in. You allow these things to start to fester, and that's when, that's when anger becomes an issue. Um, anger in and of itself is not a bad thing. We're, we're allowed to have righteous anger, it says in the Bible. But when it, when it causes you to sin and stumble and you allow it to, to go into the depths of your heart and change who you are and, and let it just fester for days and weeks and months and allows it for, for, for separated relationship, it's not good. And then he continues, he says, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share 
with those in need. I think that we would all agree that stealing is not, not ideal. Um, even if you're trying to have the Robin Hood perspective of, of taking from the rich and giving to the poor, we're told that we're supposed to, to do something beneficial with our hands. We're supposed to work so that we're able to um, give to those in need. That is, that is the greater good, is to, to use your own ability and be generous in that. And so all these things, as I was reading this and preparing, I was like, wow, these are all very, like, the old self is very I-focused. It's very me-focused. It's very self-centered. It's about what can I do? But these commands are about how do I, how do I benefit others around me? Because the old self is very, is very, yeah, very selfish, very self-centered. And then he continues into to verse 29. And he says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I've had quite a few people uh, message me the last couple of days and, and just give me words of encouragement as I was getting ready to prepare for, and, and share this morning. Um, and, I am, and I'm super appreciative for, for those words of encouragement. And I think that's so valuable that we're able to build each other up and we're able to do that and able to share it. And um, why would we let unwholesome talk come out of our mouths? Because it's such a blessing to have people that are encouraging you and, and saying, hey, I'm praying for you this morning. I, I, I really want to really lift you up in prayer as you go preach this morning. I think that's fundamentally important for us as Christians is to encourage each other. And then it continues, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. And so what Paul is pointing at is he's pointing at things that need to change in our lives. He's giving you direct things that we need to consider and, and to amalgamate into our way of life. And sometimes that's difficult. It's like, well, I thought there's freedom in Christ. Why, why are there all these rules, all these shalls and these shall nots? Why, like, I don't want to have to be weighed down by the burden of all these things that I can and cannot do. And I, and I think that's often how, like, even in my own life, that's how sometimes I approach things. It's so easy to be like, Oh, the, the gospel is good, but I'm going to window shop everything else. I'm going to look at it and say, okay, this may be good for me, but I'm not going to buy it. And I think that's what we often do with a lot of these commands because when God starts to pick at things in our life, when he starts to, to poke you and nudge you in areas that you need to improve on, we don't want to, we don't want to get into that. We don't want to buy that. We're, like, we're, we're good with all the other good news of the gospel, but when it comes to actually specific things in our life that we need to change, we kind of put it off to the side. We'd rather be nostalgic about our sin. We'd rather, we'd rather live in our old ways. We'd rather continue to be corrupt and, and deceitful. And so I get that. I get that that's hard. Like, what, like, what are we supposed to do with this text? It's a lot of what and how I'm supposed to live. And I think for myself, myself growing up, that was always a big thing. I thought Christianity was about the what. Like, how am I supposed to live? Can't say certain words, can't do certain things. Um, that makes me a Christian, right? No. Um, I've become to learn more and more that it's about the why. 
Why are we supposed to live this way? Why are we supposed to take off this old self and put on the new self? This is, this is the big thing for today, I guess, is, is, is the why. And so if you, if you go back to, to verse 24, it says, And put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. Think about that for a second. Your new self is created to be like God. Why on earth would we want to go back to our old ways? Why would we desire to do that? What, what, what sense does that make? That's like having a new phone, but then putting like an old operating system onto it. It would be slow and laggy. It just wouldn't make sense. Or it'd be like getting ready in the morning, and you go to your dirty clothes hamper, and you put those clothes on instead. It just like doesn't make sense. And so it says to be created like God in true righteousness and holiness. And for me, I think that, that, is, that is the crux of the message, is that our identity is, is now in Christ and needs to be in Christ. And we need to be fundamentally changed, fundamentally different, and there can't be any of these competing desires within ourselves. In Second Corinthians, it says, um, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. But I think sometimes we, we relish the old too much. We get focused on that too much. If you, if you go back to the creation story, there was a time, Genesis 1 and 2, when things were good. Things were good. And yet, we get so focused on Genesis 3. Even me and my roommates, we joke about, like, oh, it's such a Genesis 3 thing. Like, there's no peanut butter left. Like, that's because of the fall. Like, we get so, we get so focused on those things. And like, oh, man, my, I'm, I'm out of gas. Like, oh, Genesis 3. But if we, if we go, like, like I said, if we go back to Genesis 1 and 2, God created us to be in relationship with him. That is God's desire for us, is to be in relationship with him, to be loved by him, and to be in communion with him. That's how it was designed in the beginning. And so this is what Paul is getting at. Paul is saying your old self, like you can't, your, your identity has changed. You're fundamentally different the way that you act, the way that you behave, the way that you think. It needs to change. And so I get that we get inundated with these, these the what's of Christianity. How am I supposed to live? And those are important. But the most important thing is, is why do I act this way now? Why am I living a changed life? And that's because of the work of Christ on, on the cross. And I think I would be remiss if we, if we didn't talk about it. If you don't talk about the gospel, what... What sense does it mean to, like, to talk about not be talking unwholesomely or about anger? The gospel needs to change everything about us. It needs to change um, the way that we handle our finances, the way that we handle our relationships. And it's so easy to get focused on these things and to say, okay, I, I don't measure up to these things. How am I supposed to? I struggle with these things still. I still have these vices in my life. What am I going to do? And I, and I think that's just the beauty of, of Christ's work on the cross for us. These things are only possible to, to accomplish through Christ. Because if not, you become legalistic about trying to do these works and these things, and, and it's so easy to get bogged down in those things. Because you almost that's why it's easier to feel like you want to dive back into your old self. But we are we're constantly being renewed by Jesus. And so, I don't know, I feel like that is my desire for everyone here. 
is that you, that you remember that your identity is in Christ this morning. That you actually take off your old self and you put on your new self because that's what God is calling us to. Um, because really, like, if you, if you, we can have these competing desires and, and you can kind of say, oh, I'm going to, like, partially take it off. Kind of looks silly. I'm going to still live in the ways that I want to a little bit. It even looks more silly if you have another shirt and you're like, oh, I'm putting on my new self. Could be a new style trend, I don't know. Like we're, but, like, it, it looks kind of silly to walk around with two shirts like this. God is calling us to completely take off our old self. He doesn't want there to be any competing desires of, like, of how you once lived. He's saying your identity has changed. You're a new person. Put on the new self because Jesus is the truth. And this is how he wants you to live. And so I guess that's my challenge for you guys this morning. What is, what is keeping you guys from taking off your old self and actually discarding it? What are you holding on to in your life that you need to get rid of? What are those strongholds in your life that maybe you're like, oh, I'm kind of nostalgic about it. I kind of like doing that stuff still. What is, what is that thing that God is prompting you right now as I'm speaking to consider to take off? And then how, how can we encourage each other to do that? We're, we're one body. Why not be accountable to each other? Why not be, hey, hey I'm struggling with this. I, like, I need help in this area. And continue to repent. Repent means to like, make a turn, a, a completely 180. And so run away from those things. So re- repent and, and believe in Christ. Um, those things are so fundamentally important for us as believers. And maybe, and maybe I think for me, we hear that all the time, but I, th- I think it really needs to take root in us. I think sometimes we get so, um, so exposed to the gospel message, we come to church every Sunday, and we lose, we lose the fact of what it actually is. And that's why we struggle to take off our old self, because it's lost, the message has lost its sparkle a little bit. So that... I, yeah, I challenge you guys to, to soak in what the gospel means to you, what Christ's work is on the cross means for you as you think about your identity, the way that you're being transformed, the way that you're being renewed. And this verse isn't up here, but the last little part, the beginning of, of chapter 5 says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so I think that sums it up beautifully. I think be imitators of God. Live, live a life of the new self, your new identity. And through that new identity, your life's going to change. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to come naturally. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes discipline. And it takes help from the Holy Spirit. And so in, in, a, in a minute here, um, the worship band, well, the worship band can come up now, I guess, but um, they're going to sing a song called In Christ Alone. And for me, that's, that is like my all-time favorite song, like all-time. And I think that's what we need to, to focus on because we can have this list of things that we're supposed to do as Christians and, and, and how we're supposed to behave knowing that our identity has changed. But we're only able to accomplish that in Christ alone.
So I, I want you guys to, to wrestle with that today. I want you guys to think about that and think about how can I take off my old self and put on the new. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Um, thank you for your message. Thank you for your word. Um, thank you for the opportunity to share it. Uh, I hope there's many more times to come of this. And um, yeah, I, I just pray that, that there'd be a heart change in us today. I pray that we would see that our identity is in you and you alone. It's not in our work and our, our relationships, um, our vocation, our finances, our schooling. Um, but that our, that our identity is in you and that we have a new identity And because of that, our actions need to change. Our behavior needs to change. It's not about keeping a a list of to-dos, do's and don'ts, but it's because we we desire to be more like your son and being transformed into who we were created to be initially. So as we go from here today, I pray that you would just continue to change us, that you would continue to renew us, and that we would desire to take off our old self and put on the new. Amen.